Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Foundations in Faith. Join Monsignor Frank Lane as he offers insights into the readings heard at Mass. And now, Foundations in Faith with Monsignor Frank Lane. This is Father Frank Lane, and we're continuing our program, Foundations in Faith. What um, we come across today is in the Gospel of St. Mark. Um, And... um, it is from the seventh chapter, um, the uh, uh, different phrases from the first to the 23rd verse, basically. And it has to do with the law and faith. This becomes an incredibly important and an incredibly difficult discussion in the contemporary world and throughout the whole story of Christianity because there's a very, very um, difficult exegesis of this text that goes on it can be it can be interpreted as jesus simply saying the tradition the laws don't matter or it can be interpreted as a rejection of judaism it is in fact neither of those things so it really is important for us to look more deeply into this and see exactly what the dynamic is but in order for us to really grasp the problem let's let's listen a bit to to the gospel to god's word The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, and they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with unclean hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and the Jews in general followed the tradition of the elders and never eat without washing their arms as far as the elbows. And on returning from the marketplace, they never eat without first sprinkling themselves. There are also many other observances which have been handed down to them concerning the washing of cups and pots and bronze dishes. So these Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not respect the tradition of the elders, but eat their food with unclean hands? And he answered, It was of you hypocrites that Isaiah so rightly prophesied in the passage of Scripture. This people honors me only with lip service, while their hearts are far from me. The worship they offer me is worthless. The doctrines they teach are only the human regulations. And you put aside the commandment of God to cling to human traditions. Well, now, this is the happy hunting ground of those who think that, uh, that the church is just reborn in every age and in every moment and it has no roots in history. And that it's kind of just an immediate charismatic experience. And uh, it, it, it also um, deeply troubles many more traditional Christians, more traditional Catholics who understand that they belong to the company of the saints throughout the ages, and they do share faith with peoples of all ages, all times, and all places. And so you have then those who understand the deep and continuing reality of the people of God within the world, of the, of the Holy Church within the world, versus those who want kind of, and I don't mean this for the Catholic charismatic movement, I mean in a sociological sort of sense, kind of the charismatic moment is the only moment. And neither of these, neither of these in any way, shape, or form are are what exactly Jesus is talking about. There's something very, very important, and that's something that that we have to look at carefully. Because we can understand a lot of this, and we certainly can relate this to personal experiences and all of that. But when he says, these people honor me only with lip service while their hearts are far from me, This becomes the crooks of the whole problem of religion throughout the ages. And it has a very, very deep impact even on our modern age. 
because what is happening is that Jesus is referring to where our hearts are. And this becomes the crooks not only of our personal faith life, but it also becomes the issue within the faith life of the whole church. That religion oftentimes, and, and, and this certainly, we can see it repeating itself, a kind of a cyclical kind of thing throughout the story of faith and throughout the story of religion. But religion can become, in some ways, um, simply a facade, simply a charade, based on the very thing that Jesus is talking about here, the very particular observance of some kind of laws, that it can become, in a sense, totally, totally an extrinsic reality. Now, this, this affects not only those who are very legalistic about the, about the uh, practice of religion, but also those who interpret the whole thing as kind of a pragmatic reality, as kind of an extrinsic phenomenon, and that somehow or other take the whole Catholic notion of good works, absolutize, separate that from the interior faith, from the heart of the faith, and somehow or other feel justified in these altruistic activities, which are, in a sense, while doing good for our neighbor, always come with a very dark side to them as well. And I, and I think that when we look at this, St. Louise de Marillac was very adamant about this when she founded the Daughters of Charity. Basically, in contemporary terms, she says, don't just be altruistic. Do something <coughs> for the people that Jesus loves because he loves you as well. And that makes us all brothers and sisters and all children of God. Um, but she said to them, in other words, don't be do-gooders. Do what you do out of your interior faith in Jesus Christ, for that is what has the enduring consequences in the hearts of other people. We can attend to their material needs and ignore the deeper realities of their life, of their soul. We see this in many of the government programs. We see it especially in many of the United Nations programs. We see it in the absolute politicization, which is a very Marxist reality within modern um, progressivism of sorts that uh, somehow or other there is no other reality except public ethics, um, for which there is no such thing as personal morality. There is only public ethics, and everything is judged. Therefore, on conforming to what is perceived to be the good that should be done to others. The dark side of that, of course, is the UN Population Fund. We want to, we want to move into the Southern Hemisphere and to provide them with the same kind of instruments of destruction that we in the first world as a bourgeois society have, in, have integrated into our lives. And although half of our people apparently, according to statistics, are in some kind of therapy over the, uh, the lack of happiness and fulfillment in their life, we say this is what we want for the, th for the, for the Southern Hemisphere. And so we will encourage you then to separate sex and, uh, and conception um, separate sex and parenthood. We want you to take the lives of your children if they are accidentally conceived and therefore have the same type of happiness that the bourgeois Western world has. Well, I think if we take stock of the bourgeois Western world, we find that we're not exactly a truly happy people. That, uh, as a matter of fact, the the anger and the bitterness and and the the uh, conflict within our societies is, is really 
almost unbearable for people. Um, the hatred that becomes part of a separation from any belief in Jesus Christ, any relationship with the living God, is so is so permeated within our society that there that there is no sense whatsoever of solidarity, of community, of any of those kinds of things. That instead, there's pitched camps all over the world. They're rioting in the streets of Germany. Um, they're they're. Um, rioting in in the so-called secular paradise of the, of Scandinavia, um, and and certainly the the violence within our own society. We want to blame it on everything extrinsic and said instead of the darkening of the human heart, and all of that, of course, is foolish. That what has happened is that we have separated the heart. And what religion, therefore, oftentimes we have is only a lip service. There, is, there are theories about this, and there's, there's uh, intellectual propositions with all this. Um, basically, there is a contrast within, within the study of, uh, well, let's say of, of the Old Testament, but also of history. The study, the study between the myth and the reality. And that becomes critical and essential in our understanding of this gospel in the modern world. For myth is by definition that which comes out of the heart of man. And Jesus himself says, um, the only thing that can be unclean is that which comes out of a man and makes him unclean. When we supply our own way of understanding and thinking as a truth, then we have created reality and we have not surrendered to the reality given to us by the divine. It is, in effect, uh, secularism is therefore a myth-making reality that places itself at enmity with revelation and at enmity with the living God. For he is the one who has created us and he is the one who has established our meaning and our purpose. We discover that in him. To reject that discovery in him and yet to claim his name is paying him lip service while while the hearts are far away from him. For the hearts are busy constructing alternative religion. They are busy constructing alternative mythologies in order to interpret the meaning and the purpose of the human family that comes from within the human family and is not received from the creator, the living God. That might sound in some ways um, confusing or, or obscure, but it's really not. Think about it. Um, we have received from God the fullness of his revelation to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is embedded. Jesus is embedded in time, through his incarnation, sacramentally in the church, in the word in the church, in the living body of the church. He is a continuing presence to us and a continuing reference, we might say, and continuing source, we might say, of the understanding of our human nature and the understanding of human life, which we derive through our intimacy with him in sacrament, in prayer, in word, in church. Now, 
to say, I therefore practice a religion, but I will not receive the revelation of Jesus Christ. I will not receive the ageless belief, uh, faith of, of the people of God as they have traveled through time and space and various difference and various times. That this is kind of the creative moment, the sociological char- charismatic moment in which my interpretation will be imposed upon reality and I will no longer hear the word of the Lord and I will no longer be surrendering to his presence, and I will no longer with faith receive him into my life as a transforming entity, but simply as a practice. So that's what Jesus is concerned about with the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes are the Sadducees and, 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 and the scribes, and, and, the, and the Sadducees don't all agree on things at all. The Sadducees are not interested so much in the uh, in the traditional teaching of the rabbinic teaching of Judaism, um, but the Pharisees are very much bound to it. Um, Jesus usually sides with the Pharisees in these kinds of arguments because he understands that that which is in the heart must be lived in our lives, for there not to be some kind of disconnect between who we are and who we say we are and what, in fact, our life is all about. So these things become then crucial and critical to the Lord. For we can have a religion of good works in which the heart is not engaged with the Lord Jesus Christ, nor is faith an element of altruism. It is, in fact, therefore, a crisis. And it's the crisis not only of our present age, but of the first century as well. For Jesus is very clear that, that this, is, this is what he is facing in his life as the Messiah within the Hebrew society in which he lives. The difference between the exterior shallowness and the interior disposition toward receiving the word of God. That exterior um, shallowness, that can go from the far right to the far left, from clinging to every small rule that ever was to dismissing the whole traditional life of the church and the whole idea of the tradition being the embodiment of revelation in, in the living organism of the people of God. We can do all of those kinds of things And in so doing all of those kinds of things, we have the capacity, therefore, to be somehow or other participants in the whole infidelity that Jesus himself is talking about within this gospel. We find it today in the great debates of today. It's really interesting that in the great debates, even within the church today, that in these great debates that there is a uh, a real concern about are we dealing with politics or are we dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ? There are those who will argue that the political solution is, in fact, the good work, the acting out of the mandate of Jesus in the modern world. The problem with that is, is that we use and we choose the political language, ideology, and structure for our activity that is devoid of faith in Jesus Christ, that is devoid in any way, shape, or form of this kind of interpersonal relationship with Jesus as transcendent this personal relationship with Jesus as somehow or other the one who is the living Son of God, 
who desires and who looks for and who seeks our hearts, not so much our political ideology, not so much our um, altruism, but our hearts. For if our hearts are with the Lord, we will live in this world as we are supposed to live. We will live in this world obviously doing good for others, for we have the mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. That becomes critical, that becomes crucial. In all of that, then, what we have to do is look once again at what the Lord Jesus is talking about. Listen to his words rather than to try and, and, and parse the relationship between contemporary secularism and Christianity. And what we see is that there is very, very little relationship between the two. We see it certainly in spades in our modern life. And we come to know and come to understand how serious a thing this is and how tragic this is for us as a people. The church in modern times has passed through excruciating pain and has caused excruciating pain in its members and by its members for the society in which we live. It is the result, therefore, of giving lip service to the Lord while leaving our hearts far from them. The modern crisis is not a crisis of lust. It's not a crisis of 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 sex it's not a crisis of uh, of in political correctness or anything like that it's a crisis of faith and that's what jesus is talking about where are our hearts listen to the lord as he speaks he called the people to him again and said listen to me all of you who un- and understand nothing that goes into a man from outside can make him unclean It is the things that come out of a man that make him unclean. For it is from within, from men's hearts, that evil intentions emerge. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, malice, deceit, indecency, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things come from within and make a man unclean. We might add in modern philosophical terms or political terms that also the myths that give meaning to our lives, that reject revelation, and that do not accept the authority of the other, the authority of the given. This is so important in the modern world, for this is a great crisis. This is how the church is getting torn asunder, and this is how our society moves more and more and more rapidly toward a serious kind of dysfunction, which ends in the traditional anarchy and chaos that is the common wisdom, that is the destiny of democracies. We had long hoped that within our society and our culture, we could make this system work for the well-being of the people and for the inclusion of the people and for the well-being of all. As it becomes hijacked by the ideologues of secularism, it ceases to have the capacity to serve the all and serves only the ideological fantasies of the few. And that is certainly something that history says, well, this is what's going to happen. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean it's an inevitability. The answer, of course, to all of this kind of madness is turning our hearts toward the Lord. The conversion to Jesus Christ 
becomes not only the answer to our individual salvation, but it becomes the answer also to the entire um, structure of human society. And this is a theological principle, <coughs> very, very important to us, very important to us. Because if Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we know him to be, for God has revealed that to us, and if, in fact, he therefore has taken on human nature, and he has, for God has revealed that to us, and human nature is in some way in harmony with the whole created world <coughs> through the very act of creation, then Jesus Christ is kind of, has kind of informed the whole created world. In other words, he is the ultimate reality of the created universe. It is in him, and John tells us that in, through him all things were made, and without him there is nothing was made. He is therefore the vehicle of God's relationship with creation. As such, he therefore becomes the foundation of creation. He becomes the ultimate reality of creation. When we ignore him and when we move away from him, we have no capacity, therefore, to know or to understand who we are, what our world is about, what human society is about. We certainly can go back and say, well, you know, the church was, uh, was fallible here or the church was, uh, you know, messed this up and so forth. Certainly it did because it's run by humanity and humanity is prone to sinfulness. John says, if any of us say that we do not sin, then we are hypocrites, we are liars. Um, there is no one so righteous that they should not bow before the Lord in, in humility and shame for the things that they have done in their life. And if they don't know they have done them, then they don't know themselves. So what happens then is we are dealing with the structures of reality. And Jesus is looking at the Pharisees who have taken the whole prophetic tradition and turned it into praxis, turned it into simply the exterior practice of a legalistic structural religion. Christians can do and have done the same thing. It still goes on today, but it goes on in different ways. It's now, in this gospel, what many want to do is just simply attack traditional Catholicism and say, well, it was, it was shallow and it was empty and it was all about not eating meet on Friday and going to Mass on Sunday, and not really understanding what was really at the heart of it all. Well, perhaps some of that's true. Perhaps some of that's true. Um, those of us who grew up in the church that they condemn that way don't really usually recall it that way, I would hope. Um, but certainly with the people that we had around us who were believers, we saw the goodness and the value of how they lived their lives. But that's not the whole issue today. It is not the issue of jettisoning the, jettisoning the traditional, the traditional um, legalism of Catholicism. It is also introducing the new legalism of solely good works while the heart remains separate from the living God. And so as we looked at before, the kind of misdirected altruism of the United Nations um, Population Fund and see that, you know, in, in their altruism and doing good, they bring a very a great deep darkness into other people's lives and they impose it upon them and they cover them with it. 
um, there is no respect in all of that for the human person, and there is no love for the human person. There is only an ideological drive to make everyone like me so that I can feel justified in my ideological existence that ultimately has no meaning, really, except that which I give it. So on both sides, a ridiculous legalism and a <clears throat> dedication to good works. We oftentimes case it in social justice. Social justice is part of Catholicism. It's part of the papal teaching on, on social justice. But it can become an idol within itself, exactly like, like obsolete and obscure rules can become. And it can have as empty a heart as ever on the other side. It is not that it is an either-or. It is that it is another. It is a turning of the heart to Jesus Christ in faith, believing in the transcendent God, believing in the loving God, believing in the God of truth who reveals himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, remains with us interiorly in the sacraments and in the word, and informs us with the truth of our own existence and our own being, that we may live a more authentic life in the midst of the world. For we are not self-creating. We have been creating. We are not the self, the masters of our ship, uh, the captains of our ship, and the masters of our soul. We are the children of God. God is our parent. God loves us. God desires us to love him in return. And in that exchange of love between humanity and God, God and humanity, in the person of Jesus Christ, specifically in Eucharist, sacrament, church, and word, in all of that is our meaning and the opening up within our hearts to the depth of our destiny. Without that, Religion becomes a facade. It becomes a, a, a charade of sorts, pushed to the outside of the human person, leaving the heart sterile and empty, struggling to create its own meaning, struggling to create a mythology of reality which satisfies nothing deep within the human person, politicizing everything that the human person is and does in such a way that there is no meaning outside of the political, in a very Marxist sort of triumph over Western liberalism of sorts. And by liberalism, I mean the long-term definition of that, not the, uh, not the strange um, liberal-conservative divide that we have today. But it is somehow or other imposing meaninglessness from within the human heart upon that which is essentially meaningful. And when we create the mythologies of meaning from within ourselves, without the reception of the given of meaning and purpose, what we do is create a hollow and an empty shell in which people find anger and hatred and violence and destruction and anarchy and chaos. It is pathological to deny, in a way, the given of the revelation in Jesus Christ that demands the heart, the soul, and the whole meaning of the human person. As we read this today, we see it not just as a banter between Jesus and the Pharisees and not just some kind of a rejection of Jewish legalism. We find the very heart and the soul of what it means to believe in this gospel. For these people honor me with only with lip service but their hearts are far from me. Without the heart engaged with the divine origin and destiny of our lives, without that, religion is a lip service, and the hearts are alienated from Jesus Christ. As such, the world is deprived 
of the deepest part of its meaning, the deepest part of its understanding, the deepest part of its wisdom, the deepest part of its works. So let us today then pray that this gospel permeate the hearers of the word in order that we might be in some ways converted and transformed by its power, its influence, its wisdom, its insight, its truth. Foundations in Faith is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Foundations in Faith are available at stgabrielradio.com. So